Podcastle, episode 288, for November 27th, 2013. Flash Fiction Extravaganza 2, The Podcastle Strikes Back, Into Darkness, There and Back Again. That's right, we've got the winners from this year's Flash Fiction Contest, so buckle up. Hello and welcome back to Podcastle. I'm your host and co-editor Dave Thompson and today we've got a very special treat for you. In September we hosted our second annual, no wait, I guess it was somewhat regular flash fiction contest and today we're running the stories our Forumites chose as their three favorites. This time out I personally paid very close attention to the contest and was able to read every single story that was submitted and I have to say I was really impressed by how good some of them were. And I had a lot of fun, but there was someone else who not only read all the stories in the contest, but grabbed them when they came into the email, organized them into groups, and basically ran the whole thing for us. So Anna and I thought it'd only be fair to ask Craig Jackson, better known around our forum as Aussie Cat, to talk to you a little bit about these stories. Not only is Craig one half of our awesome Podcastle forum moderator team along with Talia, He's the keeper of our 17 bestiaries, and he volunteers his time to work as part of the Slush Resistance Army at Escape Pod. Everybody, say hello to Craig. Hi, this is Aussie Cat. I want to talk to you about medieval bestiaries. I gave each group of stories for the contest a medieval bestiary mascot. I love medieval bestiaries because they're just so weird and interesting. They have lots of creatures you'd expect to see in fantasy stories like dragons and unicorns and phoenixes and basilisks. But there's a lot of information about those creatures that modern authors just don't use. Like, when's the last time you saw a story where it was mentioned that elephants are the natural enemies of dragons? But bestiaries also have a lot of information on other animals. You know, just stuff like cats and rats and dogs and mice. But some of that information is very interesting like how hedgehogs pick up grapes with their spines, or how barnacle geese are born from barnacles, and how those barnacles grow on trees. And where else are you going to learn that a leopard is the result of a mating between a lion and a pard? Whatever that is. And then there's creatures that you've never heard of, like the bonacon that can devastate entire acres with its flaming, uh, poo. Yeah. Maybe the less said about that, the better. But if you want to learn more, you can go read the bestiary entries on the contest forums, and you can also read all 121 of the stories that were entered. But today, we have the top three winners for you. And the first one happens to feature a creature right out of the bestiary. I present Georgina and the Basilisk by Leslie Ann Wilder. Leslie Ann was born in Austin, Texas, but is currently residing in Oxford in the United Kingdom. She also wrote the first place story in last year's Escape Pod contest. It's read for you by Podcastle's new associate editor, LaShawn Wanak. So enjoy today's first story. Georgina and the Basilisk by Leslie Ann Wilder Georgina has not moved the newspapers in years, only let them pile one on top of the other, showing assassinations and exploding towers, skinny white girls with fake breasts, probably singers or actresses, Wars and countries she doesn't know. She's too old to bother learning names or places. Twice a day, the woman, who is not a real nurse, 
comes to Georgina's house to empty Georgina's catheter bag and paw through Georgina's silverware. The non-nurse barely speaks English. She insists she's tidying, but Georgina knows she's picking for cash, jewelry, heirlooms. The agency won't send someone different. They use words like false reports and threatens not to send anyone at all. When the non-nurse leaves, Georgina sits alone in the stale heat of the old house with the basilisk. Georgina resents the basilisk's intrusion. This is still her home. It doesn't belong to her drooping junior manager's son or his grasping wife who wears fake pearls. It doesn't belong to the state. Georgina put up with her husband for 60 years until a stroke sent him sideways under a gas lawnmower to get this house, and no one will take it from her. Georgina keeps her eyes high, never lower than the television or the framed pictures of her obnoxious grandchildren. She piles newspaper labyrinths and empty milk carton fortifications. She hears the creature chewing in the night. She's seen its back from the corner of her eye, gray, venomous, and reptilian, slithering into the rip in the back of her husband's dusty recliner. Sometimes, the non-nurse picks scales from the wheels of Georgina's chair, then scratches at her hands like she has poison ivy. Sometimes, imperious as a tomcat, the basilisk arranges stone mice at the foot of Georgina's bed. Georgina knows food falls from her mouth from the microwave trash meals the church volunteers bring her. Does the monster think she feeds it out of kindness? Does it imagine some kinship between them, this horrible, scaly, squatting thing in the febrile shadows where the electric fan cannot reach, waiting for a chance to strike, to maim, to petrify? Georgina keeps the shades down and watches cable TV. That's how she knows about basilisks. She doesn't tell anyone. They won't believe her anyway. Until a thieving non-nurse, a fake pearl daughter-in-law, or a screeching child comes up stone dead. Nobody respects their elders enough to listen. At night, she stares at the ceiling while the beast prowls beneath, reducing the living inhabitants of her house to statues one by one. She remembers rooms full of her laughing children instead of trash piles. The smell of her husband's cologne when he wore it to impress her, vaguely, joyously, singing in the choir. And she is unsurprised to find how glad she is it's all gone. How she treasures the bitter freedom of a house that is undividedly hers, save a single mythological pest. Having looked into her heart, Georgina slumps, satisfied, into sleep. Beneath, the basilisk does the same. The next story is The Bear by Tavon Moore. 
Tavin is, in reality, both Tammy and Stephen Moore. You can learn more about the husband and wife team at tavernmore.com. They both brainstorm the stories. She does the wordsmithing. And they have some self-published stuff that sounds really fun, like three volumes of Choose, an interactive steampunk web serial, as well as a few short stories available in collections. It's read by Christiana Ellis, who should be a familiar voice. She even won Escape Pod's Best Narration Poll in 2012. So enjoy the second story. The Bear by Taven Moore I haven't seen the bear in months, I lie. My lips curve into the smile of a sane woman, a smile practiced in a mirror late at night. White teeth against red lips, just the right amount of crinkle at the edges of my eyes. I add, and I know that if I ever see the bear again, I can come back. Dr. Pepperidge will help me. Eyes clear, I tell a truth. I'm not afraid anymore. It's time for me to go home. I had asked the bear not to kill Dr. Pepperidge. I wasn't sure if it could hear me, if it would listen, but it had dipped its shadowy head and Dr. Pepperidge is still alive. Surely that means I'm not insane. The bear fills my early journals. Ink from broken pens pools on white paper, and always the bear peers back at me through the darkness. Tiny slits in the membrane of reality separating us. He's always been with me. When I was three, he danced in the shadows of the mobile above my crib. When I was seven, he splashed through murky puddles on the playground blacktop. When I was seventeen, his teeth flashed at me in the mirror shine of my first car. Recent journal entries talk about how much I love the smell of springtime and cricket song. Not a single ink splatter, no bears. They release me. I break into the old apartment, slipping through a broken window into what used to be my home. Nobody lives here now. I break into the old apartment, slipping through a broken window into what used to be my home. Nobody lives here now. I stare at the faded black stain on the floral wallpaper and pity the girl I had been. I had been so young. Of course I'd been afraid. I remember that horrible day, the one that sent me into Dr. Pepperidge's care with his white pills, white walls, and white smile. That day, there had been black on the walls, black sunk into the carpets, black that wasn't black but red, dried for days and days until it was black, until it sank into my skin, and the bear raged behind every scrap of shadow. The roar builds, vibrating from my eardrums to my toes, louder even than when I had begged the bear to kill a man. I wasn't afraid because the bear didn't look angry anymore. It looked lonely, like it was as trapped as I was. I stand firm as black that isn't black spills down the face of the wall in sheets. The bear steps forward, great forepaws ripping through curling wallpaper until he stands half in and half out of a world I'd spent my whole life convincing myself didn't exist. His dripping head turns to me, and I lift a hand to cup his cheek. 
I step into the rift, the bear at my side. Just before the darkness swallows me, I turn to see a line of inky footprints on the carpet behind us. That world isn't my home. I don't think it ever was. By this point, you may be getting the idea that everything that did well in the contest was ultra-serious and dark. Well, I'm pleased to present you the contest winner, Waffle, by Chantal Bone. Chantal was exposed to high amounts of speculative fiction while still young, resulting in a mutation of the gene responsible for rationality and good taste. As a result, she gained an early love for fantasy and facial hair, two fascinations that have collided in the story we bring for you today. She's also an animator and illustrator attending the Emily Carr University of Art and Design in Vancouver, Canada. Her work has appeared in New Miss, the Echo Link Review, and the Abstract Quill. She can be found on her website, trickstermongoose.tumblr.com. It's read for you by Nathaniel Lee, Escape Pod's associate editor and author of two stories that made the final in the Podcastle contest. And even though neither of those stories made the final three, Dave has actually purchased both of them, and you'll hear them in upcoming episodes. But now, enjoy our final story. Waffle by Chantal Bone The wizard entered the barbershop the way most did, with great effort, feet planted on either side of the doorframe, and assisted by the barber's two beefy arms. Resisting their combined labor was the wizard's beard. It clung to a lamppost outside, whining like a devil dog, sensing his oncoming castration. Just uh, <clears throat> trim today, the barber inquired while wrestling the beard into a manacle. The wizard Rolfraxis glared. No, I want the whole thing off. The beard redoubled its struggles. <sighs> it's the magic, sighed Wolfraxis. Magic is like mustard. No matter how careful you are, you always end up wearing more than you use. You can burn clothes, but beards... His eyebrows dueled for frown space. I'm sick of it. Always jumping up on the guests, shedding on the furniture, hoarding food until I notice people around me checking the bottom of their shoes. It's got to go. Clocking his sympathy, the barber turned to the back of the shop. There, the tools of the trade hung in order of increased violence. His fingers roved over hedge clippers, chain scissors, demon-powered blow torches, and a rare Xenophraxis beard-eating salamander. Finally, he selected a simple enchanted razor. Wolfraxis recognized it as the one that had sent the serpentine lion slinking back to Bessarion with bits of toilet paper stuck where his mane of cobras used to be. The beard tugged at the wizard's chin plaintively. Wolfraxis looked dubiously at the razor. It won't, uh, hurt much, will it? Runes lit up along the razor. Not you, the barber smiled pleasantly. Not much. A few non-magical curses later, the wizard was patting what he was just realizing was a very weak chin. On the floor, his dismissed whiskers had started to revive. The barber poured hair tonic into a dish and set it before the beard. After a sniff, it lapped it up enthusiastically, waffling all the while. Wolfraxis felt a sudden stab of affection. It, it, it'll be all right, won't it? I mean, what happens to it? The barber shrugged. Ooh, the trained toupees and most proper mustaches society will take it. A couple of months it'll be perching on noble bald spots and follically challenged faces. Very good companions, beards. Some of the court ladies keep a flock of them. Wolfraxis nodded, wondering if perhaps a better term than flock would be a growth or a waxing, perhaps a winter of beards. He mulled this over as he walked home, attempting to distract himself from the sting of cold wind on his naked face. 
Many years passed before the wizard saw his beard again. Wolfraxus had bought some of Bob's bald away from the local apothecary and received four grungs, six pentals change. On the back of the newest grung was King Melbian the Magnificently Mustached, presenting the world a profile of his finest and most familiar woolly squid-styled beard. Tears crept from the wizard's eyes and spilled down his cheeks. But there was no hair to catch them. Welcome back. I hope you all enjoyed the stories and that those of you living in the U.S. have a great holiday this week. A huge thanks to Craig for not only doing an amazing job running this contest, but for also being game for hosting here. Another big thank you to everyone who participated in the contest, writers and readers. It was a lot of fun, and I hope we can do it again real soon. Soon being a relative term, right, Craig? And hey, thanks to all of you who have donated to us here at PodCastle, especially those of you who picked up the call when our Metacast went live. If you're listening and you like what you're hearing, please consider sending some money our way. We use it to pay our authors and to keep all of Escape Artists flying. Head on over to PodCastle.org to become a subscriber or make a one-time donation. Thank you so much. That was our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. On behalf of everyone here at PodCastle, Associate Editors Anne Leckie and LaShawn Wanick, our forum moderators Aussie Cat and Talia, sound producer Peter Wood, and editors Anna Schwind and myself, thank you so much for letting us share these stories with you. We'll be back next week with a rumor. A rumor with wings. Until then, vote early and vote often, and please pass the sweet potatoes. Have a good Thanksgiving, those of you in the States. We'll see you in a week. PodCastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend or post to your blog about it or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Our closing quote is from Stephen King, who said, Fiction is the truth inside the lie. Thank you for listening. <laughs>